Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I'm so glad you decided to join in, and I pray this will be a blessing to you. Today, we're going to continue in our volume of the book, Portraits of Yeshua Bible Study. And we have seen beautiful things so far in the book of Genesis, and we're still continuing through Genesis as we're looking at portraits of Yeshua in the Old Testament or in the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. And so today we're going to talk about lesson six, the ark. Continuing through Genesis in our volume of the book study, we're examining various portraits of Jesus, the Messiah. And so today we're going to consider him in the portrait of the ark. Which ark? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. And set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, a 
of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So in here we're told about this ark. The ark was to be built, and it was a place of safety and preservation for all who would believe the word of the Lord. Its dimensions were linked. It was about 450 feet, width 75 feet, height 45 feet, approximately. I know that Creation Institute and Ken Ham's Ministries have built a replica to the best that they could build it, called the Ark Encounter in Kentucky in the United States. And they have attempted to build it based on all the records and research that they could do as close to reality and what it was like as possible. The purpose of the Ark was to give safety when the judgment was coming. There were the sons of God refers to Ben Elohim is the Hebrew words. It means the fallen ones. You have to understand that Satan, when he fell from heaven, when he was kicked out of heaven because of his pride prior to Genesis chapter 3, he took about a third of the angels with him. And those we now refer to as demons. He is the devil. He is Satan. God's word defines him as such. And we know of devils and demons that do his bidding because they are referred to in the scriptures as well. Jesus himself cast out many demons from different people. So we know that these are the fallen angels referred to as the sons of God. That is also proven when you see the other place where this is used, this phrase, in the book of Job. And it's referring to the day when the angels would come and appear before God and God himself sees Satan among them. And so the sons of God refer to the fallen angels, those of Satan and his kingdom. They begin to notice the daughters of men that are born, and there is a time when there is this encounter, and they have this sexual encounter with these women, the daughters of men. The product from that union is the Nephilim, are the giants. The word nephil means fallen or the or to fall. It's talking about these fallen ones. These giants were tyrants and bullies. The Anakim, the descendants of Anak, came from these nephilim, came from these giants. All of them were from fallen angels and demonic origins. Numbers chapter 13 verse 33 talks about the giants that the children of Israel saw in the land when Moses sent the spies to look and spy out the land. And because they saw these giants and they thought that they were like grasshoppers in their sight, they refused to believe God. They refused to look upon the greater God that they served and they would not enter the promised land because they had seen these giants and their view of themselves with the God-given promise they had was still that they were grasshoppers in their sight. So God was destroying the earth and mankind. 
because of this grievous, awful sin and debauchery that had been committed, this very evil act and acts and the result of that. So God told Noah to build this ark. The ark was the place of shelter, safety, and deliverance from coming judgment. Now I want us to look at Genesis chapter 7, and I want to read several verses there, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his, his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So we see that Noah and his family and all the animals and birds and so forth enter the ark. Notice that the Lord shut them in. The Lord was the one that closed the door. Now, as I was thinking about all of this and this wonderful ark that God gave them for safety, we know from the New Testament, and we'll see it soon, how Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So this whole hundred years or so that he's building the ark, He's preaching to the people. He's telling them about coming judgment, that God is going to send a worldwide flood. And if you want to be saved, you better get on the boat. You better get on the boat. You better come and join us on the boat. So Noah is warning them. I believe it's reasonable to assume that with this size of this massive structure, they didn't know what rain was. They'd never seen rain. God had caused a mist to come up. And that was how they lived in that environment. It was a beautiful environment and they did not need rain. And they were able to live very long periods of time. So it's reasonable to assume that based on the size of this ark, God had them make it big enough, not just for Noah and his family and the animals, but it could have accommodated all who would believe 
in Noah's prophetic words that were from God about God's coming judgment and who would choose to enter with them. It's also reasonable to assume that the land at that time was one massive continent and had not been broken into continents yet because God brought all of the animals there and the animals were able to cross and walk into the ark. There were no oceans that would be dividing them, it appears, at that time. According to Genesis chapter 10, verse 25 and verse 32, and according to 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 19, in a later descendant of Noah, in the days of Eber, there was a descendant of Noah named Peleg, and the Bible tells us that it was in his days that the earth was divided. So somehow the worldwide flood, I'm sure, was a contributor to that. And then in the days of Peleg, there was a, a finality of dividing into the various continents. And you can see when you look at a globe, you can see that they could, they could fit together into one land mass, one mighty large land mass. And you can see how they, they kind of have the various curves and so forth that would fit perfectly together. God did all of this in preparation for this coming judgment to provide a way of escape. So during the 120 years, God says that that is 120 years of long suffering, that he was allowing Noah to build the ark. He was going to allow that as a period of long suffering. He said, I will not strive with man. In other words, being in conviction and trying to bring them to repentance, trying to move upon their heart to recognize the coming judgment for their sin and their debauchery and that they need to turn to the Lord. God gave them a long period. It was his long suffering. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that will speak to us about that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it says this about this time. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. So Peter is telling us here that that 120-year period that God said he would only strive with man during that time, that was a time of his divine long-suffering. He was waiting, hoping that some would believe Noah's warnings, believe Noah's message, and join them in the ark. There was an opportunity given. Every one of those people could have escaped the coming judgment had they believed the warnings and listen to God's preacher man who was preaching righteousness to them. God was waiting while the ark was being prepared, offering salvation to all who would enter. Now think about this. According to the scriptures, only eight people entered out of potentially millions or billions alive on the planet at that time. That is very, very sad. The way of salvation was being prepared, but so many would not heed the warning and would not believe, and they would not enter the boat. 
which was prepared for their safety and deliverance. And God had given them a long period of long-suffering, hoping, and preaching to them. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. He's talking there about Noah's time, and he's talking about Lot's time. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, not only was he building this boat, but he was warning about the judgment that God was going to bring. And the people were mocking him, laughing at him, ridiculing him. But Noah believed God. And because of his faith, he acted in accordance. Even in the face of ridicule and mocking, he stood strong and preached truth. Boy, will that point speak to us today in our day because Christians and Christianity is being mocked and ridiculed. But the Christian must stand strong and, and preach the truth and not waver from it. Let's look now at Luke chapter 17 because Jesus connects the ark and Noah's day with us in our day. Let's look at Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 30. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Then in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 39, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus ties the days and events of Noah to his coming in the last days, particularly to his second coming. He's saying here, that even in the days before the rapture of the church, we're seeing this happen. I do believe in the rapture of the church. I know many people have differences of opinion of that. But we're living in the days when this is coming to pass. And we're seeing what he's saying here is that people will be business as usual, life as usual, and they're going to be caught 
off guard. They're not going to be prepared and many will not believe the warnings that are going out by God's faithful prophets and ministers today. There will be mocking and scoffers. Second Peter chapter 3 speaks of this. I want to read verses 1 through 9. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we're living in those days where, again, here, even Peter in Second Peter 3 is linking the flood and the sudden judgment that came upon them when they were caught off guard, not prepared, and not believing the warnings. He's linking that with the scoffers and the sudden judgment coming today in the end times. So the times that we are living in, as we see the day approaching, are linked with Noah's day. In all of the scriptures regarding Noah, the ark is the central focus. Now, why? Because the ark was provided by God for safety and preservation and for the salvation of that family. Many others, if they had believed the word of God, could have joined Noah and his family in the ark. I believe that. And I believe that's why God had him preaching righteousness so that they would repent. God was giving them 120 years of long suffering, trying to bring them to understand. He was warning them. He was saying, believe the warning and get on the boat. Believe the warning and get on the boat. And they would not. They would not. And all except Noah and his family, eight people out of the world full of millions or perhaps even billions, eight were saved because only eight would believe and only eight chose to get on the boat. I want to read Genesis now again. I want to read chapter 7 verse 23 and a few other verses from chapter 8 and 9. Genesis 7 23. So he destroyed, talking about God, destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. I'm going to read that part again. Only Noah 
and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. In Genesis chapter 8, I want to read verse 1 through 4. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. Then I want to jump down to verse 20 and read through verse 22. Then Noah built an ark to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Then in Genesis chapter 9, I want to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I will establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me 
and all flesh that is on the earth. So in these passages we have read, we see where God preserved Noah through the ark, Noah and his family. Noah got out of the ark, thanked the Lord through a sweet sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and God remembered Noah, and God remembered his promise, and he gave Noah a covenant here. God delivered Noah and stopped the flood. Notice also in these scriptures that we just read, that God instituted at that time a meat-eating diet for mankind. Man now could eat meat. Prior to that, there was no need for that. God had provided a beautiful, different type of environment for them. There hadn't been any rain. There was no need for rain. God had provided vegetation for all of mankind's needs. But now God has now changed, and the environment will be perpetually changed until God brings us the new heaven and the new earth. And so at this point, God does institute a meat-eating diet. Also, notice in this passage that God instituted a death penalty. When someone kills another person, then that person, according to God, is to die. They have to give their life. Their life is forfeited through the death penalty that God established because of the value of human life. Every human being is made in the image of God, and God takes that very seriously. God loves every person that has been created, and he expects us to honor and respect the fact that every human being is made in the image of God. God also establishes here a covenant with Noah. Never again would there be a worldwide flood now, we've seen many evidences of massive floods in various locations in the earth, but never has there ever been another completely worldwide flood, and there will not be, because God is the perfect promise keeper. He will keep what he has said in his word. Notice that he says the rainbow is the token of his covenant. It's his rainbow. Now, what God does, Satan will always pervert every way he can. But the rainbow was God's giving it to us as a sign of his Noahic covenant that there would never again be a worldwide flood to destroy every person on the earth. There's a different judgment coming in the future, in the near future. So God will see the rainbow in the cloud and he will remember his promise it's interesting to me, if you look at passages in Ezekiel and in Revelation, you see where Ezekiel and John both see a rainbow associated with God's throne. God always sees the rainbow, and he is the promise keeper. This is still true today. I want us next to look at a few scriptures as we begin to close. I want to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 7 first. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death 
and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So here we see the faith of Noah exemplified. God makes clear to us that Noah was a man of faith, moved with godly fear. He had the fear of the Lord. He reverenced God. He gave due respect to God. He took God's word seriously and acted on it in preparing the ark. He and his family were given the blueprint by God, and they then spent all of that time building and constructing this ark for the saving of souls. That word, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, is talking about soteria in the Greek. Full salvation, rescue, and deliverance. It was by and through which Noah sentenced the world, condemned the world, based upon God's righteous judgment as it was coming to pass, and he became heir of righteousness, a sharer in the inheritance, a portion or allotment as an heir. The ark is a beautiful portrait of Jesus for all who will believe. Just like the ark in Noah's day was the way of escape from coming judgment that God provided and Noah and his family entered that ark and were saved from the worldwide flood. It is the same today. The ark of Jesus Christ has been provided for us. This displays the Lord Jesus so beautifully because it is in him and in him alone that we then can be forgiven of our sins and escape coming judgment on our sins because he took the punishment for my sin in my place and he did the same thing for you. And so there is one way of escape today from the coming judgment that you will face for your sins unless you get on the boat on the ark of Jesus Christ. For it is in him, for in him is the only safety and rescue from the death penalty for your sins. The ark was provided to preserve Noah and his family and all who would believe from coming judgment. And it is the same today. Jesus is like that ark and he and he alone saves us from coming judgment on sin. I implore you today to come to know him. If you do not know him, if you have not been born again by the spirit of the living God, and you are not in Jesus Christ, I implore you and I beg you, get on the boat. 
get into Jesus. Call out to him. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Repent of your sins. And let him save you and place you in him. Hallelujah. Only eight believed and were saved in Noah's day. But all who will believe today and will get on the boat, get on the ark of Jesus Christ will be saved now. I want to close us out with several scriptures. First, I want to read Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 26. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then in Acts chapter 26, I want to begin the reading in verse 12 and read through verse 18. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 through 14. This is speaking of Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance." until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14, it also speaks of this, and I encourage you to read that. I'm also, for the sake of time, just going to close out with a couple of final scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, 
it says this, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, it says this, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And I want to read lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So in this study of the ark and the times of Noah, we see that the ark from Genesis chapter 6 through 9 forms another beautiful part of the portrait of Yeshua from the volume of the book. Jesus is portrayed beautifully in the ark for salvation and to give us an inheritance in him, a sharer as an heir of God to the things that God has prepared for us and the saving of our souls. We can be saved through Jesus just like the salvation was made available to all in Noah's day. Only those who believed and got on the boat in that day were saved. And it's the same today. Only those who will put their faith in Jesus Christ and get on him, get in him, through faith, in him. You got to get on the boat, so to speak, to be saved and to be able to share in the inheritance that God reserves for those who will believe in him. Jesus is beautifully portrayed in the ark. Praise be to God. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our volume of the book series and for more messages from Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.